0: Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help
1: underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor.
0: Man, I just love my life. I am so fortunate to have just interviewed Crystal Lowe, who is the Executive Vice President at Zions Bank Corporation in the Treasury Management Middle Office. And as you will hear here in just a moment, she is a very genuine, engaged leader, a very capable, great communicator, and shares just some powerful uh, words of wisdom and, and stories of, of her time in leadership and just life uh, that I'm sure you will enjoy. Uh, and she sa- shares a couple of really powerful uh, action items, kind of some challenges at the end as well. So I hope you'll stick around to the end uh, and listen to those so that you can apply the principles that are embedded throughout the interview. So we'll get right to it. I'm sure we'll come back around and talk more about current status and your life now. Uh, but I, I always love to hear kind of your story. Like, let's, let's go back in, in time a little bit. And love to, I know you've been in banking for almost 20 years. Looked at your LinkedIn profile there. So you've been at this a long time. Uh, what's the origin story? You're welcome to talk about even where you grew up and any of that sort of thing as well, just so we have some picture of who you are, whatever is comfortable, just to kind of bring us to to where you are now.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm native to Utah, so I've lived in Salt Lake Valley most of my life. I'm actually born in a small town, Moab, Utah, which many like to vacation and recreate there. Um, so been here, love, love Utah, love the crazy spring weather. It's a little bipolar in terms of summer or sorry, you've got rain, you've got snow, you got a little bit of all of it. And so it's fun. Keeps us on our toes. But I've been in banking. Yeah, like you said, almost 20 years. Uh, there's, I think, two two segments of bankers, those who set out to be bankers and then everybody else, which I think there's a lot more of the everybody else's. And so I never really intended to be a, a lifetime banker at this point, but I've been at Zion's all, the whole 20 years in various roles and various groups under numerous awesome leadership. And so it's just been a wonderful place that I've been able to learn and grow. Haven't had a reason to leave. Um, there's been great opportunity there. so. You know, banking for me, as you get into it, really is the heartbeat of every community. It's what keeps us going um, from just pumping, you know, the economics through um, our communities, whether they be a small town in Utah or nationally, internationally, there's just so much tied to banking. Um, and then we're involved in the community. So for us at Zions, we're so focused on community efforts and being local and ensuring that we're taking care of the people because we're all just people, right? We're all just here trying to you know, work some of us, whether that be in a company or maybe at home being a parent, but we're all part of the community and so we gotta take care of each other. So I've appreciated banking because I think generally banks are held to a certain standard that we are here to support our communities in a, in a variety of ways. And every, there's everything in banking. So if you think like people think of banking as like a branch and a teller window, but that's just like the front door of banking and then everything else is really behind the scenes. So, so it's a lot of fun. I started as a teller just going to college and I was one of those that took me seven or eight years to do my undergrad working full-time, probably working full-time plus a couple of extra part-time jobs on the side. Um, So I did, you know, I did my schooling and the bank was great to support that. And then I transitioned to um, from retail banking, which is the branch to commercial banking, which is where I work with business customers, small businesses, middle market, large corporate And that's where I've landed in treasury management. So most of my career at the bank has been in treasury in some form or fashion, most of it on the sales side. I've done everything from supporting sales officers to being a sales officer, to being a player coach, managing a portfolio and also managing a team to um, running the division as the executive, reporting to our CEO. And then most recently this last year, I've spent unifying six um, decentralized support functions. And so we have... Um, Banks in all the Western states, um, these groups will remain local in this unification effort, but we're trying to scale and gain efficiencies from each other. So standardizing processes, but keeping the customer support local and customer centric. So it's been fun. There's a lot to do. It's always constantly changing and banking is technology and technology is changing. So I think that's what makes it fun is we're always evolving. There's no time to be bored.
0: Maybe there's some uh, power in digging into this uh, unifying project or unification of these six elements, I guess, or entities. I don't know what the right word is there, but bringing them into one, that's that's a challenge unto itself, especially in kind of our new world. New world. Uh, in our dialogue a little bit before we officially began this uh, experience together, we talked quite a bit about COVID and just the different decisions that have to be made uh, along the way. Uh, any, any uh, I guess, just tidbits there that come to mind that Just help us understand your experience of trying to undertake something as complicated as bringing bringing these six entities into one uh, in a more complex world than eighteen months ago.
1: Yeah, it's actually it's kind of an interesting question and dynamic. And COVID, I I dare to say, was a little bit of a blessing in this for us. And especially, you know, my outlook on it. And I know everybody's experience with COVID is different, but. If you think about taking, so think about six different teams in six different states. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but just for simplicity. And it's about 160-ish plus people. And so you have all these groups with common um, goals to support our customers and remain local. And, you know, we're doing everything from password resets to troubleshooting technology But there's a lot in between that. So there's tons of project work, ongoing customer day-to-day support. So we all are sort of in this together. We're all sort of doing the same types of things. We're just doing them six different ways and in six different markets and geographies. And for me, as one of the leaders of this organization, typically um, these are hard because you have one manager, say me in Utah, and maybe my peers, the other leadership teams that are my boss, the director who's um, leading this unification, you know, we all kind of have our marching orders to unify, but what does that really mean? And what, how do you unify? And that's, it's all about change management, right? It's all about communication and building a plan, getting buy-in and trying not to stub your toe too many times, keeping employee-centric, client-centric. But that's easy to say, but a lot of times in the past, you would try to be face-to-face. So I might go to each of these six markets and meet with everybody, kind of do the warm and fuzzies, give them the rundown. And and that's great. But I think what COVID showed us is, we didn't need that. And in fact, for me, I think COVID was a blessing because it sort of leveled the playing field that we were all remote. There was no in-person meetings. There were no hubs in Utah or hubs in Idaho or hubs in California or hubs in Dallas where those local teams are there together. They're they're there every day. And you build a different sort of camaraderie when you're in person. But when we're all now virtual, it sort of just started over and level set, which I thought was really, really great. So it didn't go from me having to go to these individual markets, it went from me meeting virtually with everybody all at the same time, which provided more transparency, which I think provided more collaboration. Um, so I think the timing for us in this unification was was really cool and beneficial, um, working through COVID, working remotely specifically. Utilize, unfortunately, we were able to have the technology to do this, um, so a blessing in disguise, I would say. But I, I think a year in now, it's been very successful.
0: Well, I loved your comment just about there's actually been more transparency. I think that's in so many ways fascinating. Uh, And I I mean, you you did a good job just articulating that, just that you're able to all kind of be in the same room at once. Whereas before, just I I think of it as maybe like a location bias or whatever. Like you you have to uh, traditionally, if you would have taken the old way, I guess you'd have to kind of get in a car or get on a plane or whatever and go and. And try to get everybody on the same page. And, and the word, same words may not be used, and same people, anyway, they may not understand. Uh, so, is that really what that is all about? I guess is the transparency, is just that everyone's in the same virtual room hearing it at once, able to ask questions at once?
1: Yeah, that's certainly part of it. And I think there's two lenses like my lens with the team, and then the team's lens with sort of leadership and those sort of coming to them with the communication and the message, the plan, right? So, in the old way, face to face, I might go with each of these teams. But together, all these teams get to be together as one. So it's transparency between all of the markets as well. Another just little side thing that I feel like I've learned is pre-COVID, I had, to, I had teams in all the markets. And what you would have is, let's say our core team was in Utah, and then you had a couple people in Texas, a couple people in, CBN, or in California. Sorry, now I'm using <laughs> bank jargon. Um, but in our direct market, so let's just say you have 10 people in a conference room and you have 10 people on a conference call. The people in the conference call have a hard time getting in a word with the 10 people sitting in a room together, right? So you kind of get drowned out when you have this mix of in-person and conference. And I think, I don't know that I'll ever go back to hosting meetings where I have 10 people in a conference room and 10 people on a call. Now there are probably greater technologies than what I have that allow you to do this easier, but I think the majority of people don't have access to, to that. So having everybody on the phone or virtually like on teams or zoom I think just helped the communication tremendously. Everybody, you can, you know, everybody can raise their hand, put something in the chat. We're not talking over each other and the awkwardness of, of those conference calls. You know, I'm sure you've been part of them. We all have where you're trying to talk and the other person's talking. It's just, I don't know. I think we've, I think this was a lot better virtually.
0: So I'm curious, kind of a, a potential leadership challenge in that type of setting. Cause I love everything you shared. Uh, one challenge that I've come across myself is you may have someone who is just more introverted and even less comfortable speaking out or speaking up in a virtual setting, especially if the total headcount, so to speak, is higher than what they're normally used to. Uh, as a leader, how do you how do you navigate that? Whether you actually have or just if you were to face that, uh, how would you help them overcome that and, and contribute in that setting?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. And when we're in the virtual environment specifically, so it's always the camera versus non-camera. We very much have people that we, we promote, if we're going to be virtual, let's see each other on your video. Well, there are some people that are just not comfortable. And so we've been, we've, we don't push too hard. Like we know those people that really are introverted and that's just uncomfortable for them. So they'll participate not on video and that's okay. Um, sometimes those people and sometimes different people don't want to verbally ask a question or a comment, but they'll do it in the chat. And so I think that actually adds a new um, medium for them to communicate. Whereas in a, sitting around the conference room table, what are you going to do? Pass up a post-it note? Or it's just different. So I think it gave those types of people that who may not originally or in the past speak up, they now have a new channel to do so. We've seen a lot of that.
0: Oh, that's a great point. Just that there's an additional channel that is uh, it's all synchronous and you can have chats coming in as someone else is making a comment. And it doesn't seem like, like you say, if you were to, like wave your paper in the air during someone's comment, they'd be like, okay, hold on, what's going on. But in Zoom or whatever technology we're using, I think we've all become used to uh, just the flow of those different pieces of information coming in. So anyway, that's very cool. I like hearing about that. How about one of the things I loved about your LinkedIn profile is just that you point out, you use this phrase, I've got it copied here, uh, talking about your team you just articulate that their moms, dads, sisters, brothers, grandmas, grandpas, nieces, nephews, sons, daughters. I just love that because it's it's easy uh, to kind of over professionalize work sometimes where it's like all you are is the whatever insert title here. You know, that's, that, that's who you are uh, and you're not this whole person. So how have you how have you maintained that? Not only COVID, but even just throughout your career, it seems like you've done a great job at remembering the individual as a whole person. Uh, instead of just kind of looking at them as filling a, a, a role.
1: Yeah. And I think COVID has shined a light on each individual. Um, and so I think it's been awesome. And I'll kind of circle back to that because there's been a lot of people that have seen me on video with no makeup, with um, a grungy t-shirt on, with my dog or my child running behind me, you know, any given time, I think being virtual, working from home have brought the people, the person out to us, whether you wanted it or not. Um, This last year, I think has allowed people to see that. For me, I've always operated under the pretense that there is no separation between work and home life. And for people that have said that, I mean, there's been a lot of things over the years, like it's a blend, it's a balance. Well, I think it is all of those things. But to me, it's just like a match, like messy matches. You know, if you have like a box of matches and you dump it out and it's all just like a mess. That's work and life. That's just life. I think it all goes together. Sometimes it's messier than others. Sometimes there's more boundaries between them, but that, but it's not like for me, I'm a mom. When I leave to go to work, I don't just forget about my kid and everything I have at home. Yeah. Maybe I'm at work, but if something comes up, I'm going to go take care of it. You know, and if you're not a parent, if you have parents that you're taking care of or fur babies, you know, if you have a dog or a cat or a snake, or I don't care what it is. If you have a hobby or friends, we all have something. And that doesn't ever leave. So I don't think you can say you you step out of one or the other. That's just who we are as people. It's part of who we are. And so I think we have to just first and foremost remember that we're all people. And I try to operate under the pretense that all people are good unless you give me other reason to think. Otherwise, you know, we're all just trying to do our best, providing for our families, for ourselves, and trying to, you know, have a positive impact. And so if we can remember that, then i i challenge all my team members and i challenge myself this too at the hardest times you can find some common ground with people like i don't care who it is even if it's your worst enemy of nothing in common you can find one piece of common ground something like you both like coffee or mint gum or you can find something that can bridge the gap because we're all just humans and so at the end of the day we all struggle with some of the same basic elements of life and we're all working towards some of those same basic elements too. And so, you know, I remind myself that if if I'm struggling with the relationship is like, how, okay, how do we come back true to the human? Like at the end of the day, what are they working towards and what am I working towards and how can we bridge that gap? And I think everything comes back to a relationship, whether that be a really constructive relationship or not such a constructive relationship, but we're all just people. I mean, and life is, A blend constantly changing the highs and the lows. You never know what's happening behind closed doors with somebody. I mean, there's just so much, you know, I would say humanity, like we're all just people just trying to get by. So we should support each other in that however we can.
0: I love that. I I think from here on out, I will picture that pile of matches (laughs) when I think about that the integrated nature of just life. Like you say, uh, like none of it, I think maybe our, our parents or even grandparents, uh, culture and society was different than when it was kind of the corporate version of yourself or the whatever profession and then the home version, maybe even the church or what, community version. Yeah. Uh, but I think again, a, a huge plus of not just COVID, but like even social media trends in the last 15 years. And, uh, some of these things have helped us realize that we're all in this together, Uh, And maybe that was somewhat of an important catalyst leading into COVID because we were naturally a little bit more connected than we would have been without the technology. I can't imagine how I would feel and what this all would have been like without uh, even the way you and I are talking right now. We're not in the same room. We're miles apart. Um, Anyway. So, yeah, it's just it's interesting to reflect on all that.
1: I tend to be a pretty optimistic person, too. So I'll try to find the positive in, in anything. But being empathetic to each other is key in life, I think. Um, but yeah, technology. Your your point's a good one. <laughs> Had we done this twenty years ago, COVID, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very different, a very different time. So we're fortunate that we can keep on going and flourish during this time.
0: When you were introducing yourself, you talked about uh, just kind of a passing comment, just about great leaders that uh, that you've learned from and interacted with. What are some of the most important lessons that you picked up uh, during those? Maybe even your earliest years, as you first got into leadership. Um, I don't know what that position was. Maybe it was at the branch level or when you moved into the business side or whatever it is, but just reflecting back, what were some of those pivotal moments of interacting with leaders that helped you be inspired to become the leader you are now?
1: So there's a few things um, um, that I'll talk about, but the best thing that I've ever, the best thing from any leader that I have worked with is just transparency and being candid and willing to have tough conversations. I mean, it's great to get accolades and to say good job, but it's the people around you that will be honest with you. And we say that and we read books about it, but doing it is just different. It's like saying it is easy and then having those conversations. It's like if somebody has something in their tooth, are you going to tell them or are you just going to let them write it off? Right. I'm like the teller person because I don't want to be on the other side of that. Right. It is awkward, but the outcome's a lot better. And so I think the the I've grown the most from people around me who've been candid and honest and just told me how it, how it was. And so I just got through telling you all of the matchbook, the matchbox and how everything's intertwined work and home. But I didn't always operate under that pretense when I was a younger person, um, going to school pre marriage, pre kids, just trying to figure out my, my path and my career. You know, I was young in banking and, and banking and especially, um, banking, you know, traditionally men and, Zions has always been a supporter of women so that's without saying but you come in and there's just a certain persona that I would walk into you walk in you wear a black suit and and you're very reserved and so I put that on and I'm I'm a natural introvert anyway so to be reserved is not that hard for me I could sit in a room and not say much and you know be to myself but I just put on a a facade or a persona and I was just very straight I wasn't very personable I didn't take time to get to know people so the exact opposite of what I am today, I think, was where I started, because I ha- I thought I had to live up to some expectation to fit in and to succeed. And one of my greatest mentors, he's, he, you know, I, I was trying to move up, and I was doing great. And I was a taskmaster, I'd come to work. And I, you know, you give me a list of 50 things, and I'll get them all done. And I'll do it without complaining, and I'll take it, and I'll work late, and it doesn't matter. But I didn't take time for the people side. So everybody around me, the perception was, you know, not a good one. I was looked at as, as hard, as not friendly, as intimidating, um, you know, name it. I, I probably had people saying it about me. And so that was never my intention. And he just said, you know, if you would let them see the crystal that I see, you'll be highly successful and you can do anything you want. And so after he told me that, I just, I really reflected on that for a long time. And I still, I still have that always in the back of my mind is kind of what am I putting out there and what am I going to get back with that and and that changed my life it really did in terms in terms of work but just in general is you know perception is everything and I can come to work and get everything done but if I want to have good working relationships and really lead people then I've really got to start finding ways to connect and for an introvert that's not that easy and I say I'm an introvert people will be like no that's no way but I am. And so it's hard. You kind of have to turn that on and work on it. And so over time, I think I've gotten a lot better at it. But I think it's because I've gotten a genuine care and passion for people. Um, so that makes it less, less of a task, I guess. Um, but that was some of the best advice I have ever been given. And it really changed my life, I think for a solid year, I worked on it. And about six months after that conversation, he came to me and he said, I don't know what you did or what you're doing, but you could, should just keep doing that. And and so, you know, I've, I've given him many thanks over the years for being candid with me when nobody else would.
0: Oh, I love that story. It's awesome. And I, I think uh, in a lot of ways, this conversation up to this point has revolved around the importance of relationships. You talked about that in a couple of different contexts uh, over the last several minutes. Um, so it's, it's amazing just to hear where that kind of breakthrough uh, took place for you because you were doing great. You were a strong performer. Uh, but just again, keeping kind of that guard up or however you playing the role versus just being the whole person. Like You just talked a few minutes ago in your profile, a little piece that I read about you accepting the whole person. It's almost like you gave yourself permission to be the whole person first, and then that made it maybe simpler, not easier necessarily, but to, to look at other people the same way. Is that a good way to distill it down?
1: Yeah, it, it really is, and I think it's, I, I mentioned my wearing of clothes, which might sound sort of not material, but for me, it was playing a part. Right. And I think that description of a whole person, really, I allowed myself to be me at work and it didn't matter. I was the same person at work, at home, at church. It doesn't matter. You just, I'm, I'm me and, and that's okay. And so that, that really was a, a, you know, a life changing time for me. And I think as leaders, you know, I, a piece of advice I give people that I'm mentoring or come ask for advice is, um, You know, you don't have to be a people pleaser, but you as a leader should be adaptable to other styles. So if you can master adapting to another person's style of communication and and just everything in general, you'll succeed. But that doesn't mean you're like a chameleon doing what you just described as changing who you are to please everybody, but it's, it's being adaptable to find that common ground in the way that's going to be most beneficial for that person.
0: I always love to kind of bring it in for a landing, so to speak, here at the end. Um, and for our listeners to articulate a clear action item that they can take, like something that they can kind of go apply immediately. Um, so maybe that's from the COVID stuff that we talked about. Maybe it's this whole person, like be yourself, it, wh- whatever it is that comes to mind. I know you, you had thought through several uh, possibilities, but what's your strongest recommendation for people listening? What can they go do after this?
1: Well, oh, there's so many things, but I think just be caring and be thoughtful and be empathetic to other people. I think that's just in general in life, just take a pause in your worst moment. I have to do this with, you know, my most frustrating time is just distill it down to people. People are good and they're trying to do the best that they can. I think this is especially important in COVID because not everybody's had the same COVID experience. You know, I, I feel like I've talked about how rosy COVID has been in certain aspects of virtual work. And there's going to be people that are going to say, you're crazy. That is not my experience. And I think as people, we need to be empathetic and understand that it isn't a one size fits all. It's COVID now, but it's something else later. And as we, you know, one of the big things that we're working on in our company is our go back to the office strategy, right? We've been working, but you know, it's, it's different. COVID happened and it was just like an all of a sudden thing. It was an emergency. Everybody's in panic mode. So everybody buckles down and you work from home and you figure it out but it's very different going back to the office. Everybody's had a year plus months, you know, thinking about what that's going to be like. And that's scary, that's uncertain for a lot of people. So I think my task would be, if you're in a place of leadership where you're working on go go back to office strategies is to be mindful that it isn't a one size fits all and that we should get input from our people and considering the plan as we go back. And I would just encourage people to be more flexible than not. Um, because I I think we've all shown and proven that we can work from home, but not everybody wants to work from home. I have people wanting to go back to the office every single day. So how can we be empathetic with each other as humans, as people to find the best, most flexible approach that will not be a one size fits all, but will be um, something that will fit for everybody in the way that they need it to be. So that would be my ask because I'm dealing with that every day. So it's on top of my mind, but and then I guess it all comes down to communication and preparation. So, for whatever that's worth.
0: Oh, it's worth a lot. I, I love I love the recommendation. Uh, it just makes me think also about the business reason for doing what you said. Also, is to not lose the value of some of the benefits of this time, uh, you know, like the level playing field for meetings happening with people in different geographies, and the, kind of the, the experience or the example you shared earlier. Like, let's, let's carry that forward with us. There's no reason for us to flip that switch off, so to speak. Uh, certainly, it, it's going to be kind of a hybrid of, of things that we've benefited from. But anyway, yeah, so I, just as I was listening to you, I thought that's that's a great thing to emphasize as well, uh, that we need to take all the good stuff, uh, even though we're, we're happy that fewer and fewer people are getting sick and all these good things. But um, it would be a shame for us to just go back to the old normal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, let's be better because of all this. So I love what you've shared. That's awesome. And on that, I'll just thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. It, it's, uh, it's been uplifting. Uh, I've learned a lot, and I know our listeners will, will benefit greatly from listening to your experiences and stories, as, and especially the the so what, kind of the what do I do now uh, piece that you've ended with. So thanks a lot for taking the time.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for the invite.
0: In reflecting a bit on what Crystal talked about in the interview, one of the things that really stands out to me is this strong correlation in my mind and heart uh between the peop- the leaders that were over me have been over me over the years um, and their level of looking at me as a whole person and being a whole person themselves if that makes sense you know in, in the context of the interview that would mean not uh, not having different versions of themselves not bringing one version to work and perhaps only sharing pieces of themselves uh, in a, a more casual family setting or whatever that might look like. Of course, there are there are natural boundaries or limitations just by the nature of work itself. But um, I think it's it's really interesting just because the leaders that have had the greatest impact are the ones that I feel looked at me as more than just a cog in the wheel kind of a thing. Um, and also that demonstrated that themselves, that they were very genuine. They were willing to tell stories about the weekend or talk about their family or ask me about mine and and just make that connection and care about what I care about. I think that's one of the truths of, of the human experience is that the people that we uh, tend to feel close to are those that care about us and what we're interested in and what we're worried about, what we're thinking about that are willing to contribute to finding solutions to some of our biggest challenges. Uh, and that's just, that's just truth again, outside of just a professional context. But in, in this interview, Crystal did such a great job Uh, Just sharing that breakthrough moment for her uh, when she was early in her career, early as a leader who had one of her leaders kind of pull her aside and and encourage her to take that leap. Um, And you heard the the value and the power of uh, what happened when she did. So I hope if you take nothing else away from this, that uh, that is one of the the things that will stick with you is to think of yourself that way. If you're currently in a leadership role to lead that way, uh, look at the whole person and as the world will continue to change, that's the only thing that's certain is, is, is the fact that change will continue, whatever that might mean. None of us really knows, um, but it's, uh, it's important that we continue to appreciate the whole person um, and even celebrate the whole person and look at that as one of our most important assets uh, in being successful, uh, not only as, as businesses, but as communities, as families, as friends. Uh, And if we will do that, I'm confident that we will all be better off. So thanks, Crystal Lowe from Zions Bank Corporation for bringing that to light for us. And thank you for listening.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit LumenLeader.com. We'll see you next time.